When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, May 22nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Not a good weekend for our soccer teams. Sporting Kansas City's coming off an ugly four-zip loss at St. Louis City, and the KC Current dropped its fourth straight in all competitions over the weekend to Louisville. Beat writer Daniel Sperry is here to break it all down. And the news isn't all bad. Sporting had produced two victories and a tie in its previous three. And although the current has had a rough go lately, it had also put together a winning streak earlier this month. So we talk about what's going wrong and right with the clubs. One thing that's going well for the current, the fans are showing up in record numbers. We talk about it all with Daniel Sperry, starting with his thoughts on Sporting KC. Let's get going. All right, Daniel, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, I thought it was uh, got to got to watch Sporting Kansas City on cable television. They, yeah. they streamed uh, the, the game against St. Louis was on FS1. It was mm-hmm. fun to watch for about ten minutes. And yeah, <laughs> from a Sporting KC perspective, uh, and then it and then it really <laughs> unraveled. Sporting had played so well uh, the the past week and a half or so. And then did not play well at all against St. Louis City. Let's let's talk about that game. It, mm-hmm. I read the comments afterwards, and I, I didn't disagree with with Peter Vermees, who said he thought that the the the, the game kind of turned on the penalty kick, which yeah. uh, which, which was St. Louis's first goal. But given that, and I do want to talk about that, but give yeah that of course happened. But I just thought St. Louis brought more energy the entire game, yeah. And 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 and, and the Sporting Kansas City could not match it. Um, so I do want to talk to you about how well Kansas City played up until that game. But let's start with the game itself. Yeah. What were your impressions from the four zip loss to St. Louis City? Uh, I mean, it was entirely energy. I think that's. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head there. And when you play. You know, you could talk about playing seven games in or three games in seven days, but in reality, they've been on, they've played five games in 14 days. Um, that's a lot, a lot of, a lot of time. They only rotated the lineup once. And I think that's, uh, that, you know, you're at the end of that stretch and Peter made only three changes from the team that played on Wednesday, which was only had one change from the team that played on Saturday, the week before. Um, they did not come back to KC. They flew straight to St. Louis from Los Angeles. And I think <clears throat> I think that plays a role in not having that energy um, and being able to do that. I mean, Remy Walter is not a guy whose first touch or uh, is sloppy. He's a guy who is more known for going entire matches without uh, having an incomplete pass to his own teammates. And, I mean, 
passes were sloppy, getting over, getting intercepted, you know, runs were half made and then the pass would go and nobody would finish the run. It just seemed in a way that they were a bit out of gas. St. Louis had the whole week off and, uh, you know, played their game plan to perfection. I also think part of the game plan was as a, is a point as well here. Um, you have to expend more energy when you don't have the ball. And for a team that's short on energy, um, going to do that might be been a little bit difficult in that situation. But the book was out on St. Louis to let them have the ball. I mean, they they were on an absolute tear. But in reality, even with the result on Saturday, Kansas City has earned more points in MLS play since April 1st with how bad they've been have earned more points than St. Louis, including that 4 nothing defeat uh, to St. Louis since April 1st. So the book was kind of out on St. Louis about how to play them, and Sporting outpossessed them, outshot them, had higher expected goals. If you look at some of the uh, more advanced statistics, um, the goalkeeper for St. Louis made a couple of really, really good saves to, late in that game that probably would have shrunk that scoreline a little bit, but <clears throat> the damage had already been done at that point. And I, it's one of those things where sporting just didn't match the energy from the get-go. And I, I told somebody um, who was sitting near us, uh, and I said, hey, I, I, we're going to know within like five minutes of this match of whether or not they're up for it. And within five minutes, you had the first massive chance that came up. Kendall McIntosh made a great save there. But then 10 minutes later, you have the penalty kick um, uh, that gets called and you know, the game really turned at that point. I think there were some calls and some things that happened in the lead up to that, that um, for calling that, a, calling that a penalty kick just boiled over into a lot of frustration. And so you mix the energy, you mix the, you know, trying to do it a way that um, kind of plays into what St. Louis wants to do. Um, and then you, you mix that also with uh, some poor officiating uh you get the result <laughs> you know you're you're the what you've baked in the oven there with that recipe is a four nothing loss to St. Louis <laughs> yeah yeah um i i thought i just got the feeling just as much as i, I watched which was the entire first half and then um about half of the second half it sporting mm. was just overwhelmed in this game and uh the 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 penalty that opened the scoring is one of those where the the way I thought about it, if if that's going for your team, you're 100 percent convinced it's a penalty. If yeah. you're a neutral observer and you're looking at that play, you almost see it as a 50 50. Mm-hmm. You know, could be a penalty. Could you know could could justify it not being a penalty, but <clears throat> it was called a penalty. And yeah. I noticed Peter Vermees spent opened his post game comments with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a thought on it, he obviously wanted to talk about it, and yeah. it had something to say uh, about mm-hmm. the penalty. I, I don't know. It, listen, I think St. Louis proved over the course of the game it was the better team on this night. Right. Yeah. But the who knows what happens if if that penalty is not called and how how the game unfolds. So, uh, what were what was your takeaway? Are you were you as definitive as Peter Vermees was about it? But uh, uh, what, what were your thoughts? I feel pretty definitive that it wasn't a penalty, in my opinion. Um, look, th- this is a physical game, right? Contact happens, but I don't think there's much contact there, if any, um, that happens between Rodoya and the player. And Rodoya really does. There's a shot from behind. 
the players and then a shot from in front of the players as they're coming towards you. And it's very in slow-mo. I thought it was pretty clear that he wins the ball. And in a game that has that fine margins, if you're, I, I don't, I didn't see anything that made it look like where he made contact actually tripped up Indiana Vasilev. Um, so I, I don't know about it. I, it's, it's one of those where, like you, I like you said, it's fifty. It's kind of fifty-fifty as a neutral observer for the most part. I think whatever happens there, whether they call it a penalty or not a penalty, would have stayed no matter what. I think with VAR because <clears throat> I think VAR obviously does have other angles available to them that did not get put out necessarily through the broadcast or even on social media that we saw afterwards. Um, that was we asked pool report questions afterwards and I just asked about that and I said what did you think he did I said they thought he tripped him and the you know the VAR's response was that the VAR confirmed that call through the video angles that they had available to them Um, they have a lot more than what gets put out on the broadcast trucks so um, I'll be curious to see later on in this week when pro kind of does their inside the review um, uh, talk on it and we'll actually get to see that angle um and and see what the definitive moment was for the ref thinking that he made contact with the player um but yeah i i think it, it's one of those things too where when there's some tackles before that uh you know a st louis player i think he left his feet jumped in and they they were hounding gadi kinda all game long it's arguably a foul on gadi kinda in the midfield in the build up to the second goal and so i think when you you mix in the scheduling the fact that you know, they want to pump this up. You know, players kind of mentioned this afterwards. The league wants to pump this up as a rivalry, but you dealt us a bad deck and gave a, made us go to LAFC while St. Louis gets to rest and put all this energy and effort into this game where we've got to focus on a midweek game against LAFC on the road. It's the hardest place that we're going to have to play, you know, this whole year. And, you know, now... You've got these calls. I mean, that that foul got called a foul against Gotti Kendo, where the guy leaves his feet. Um, that I mean, it's borderline a red card. <laughs> it's for sure a yellow card. It's borderline a red card. And so the fact that there was nothing done on that, um, I think mentally players just kind of also, it seemed like they felt a little bit defeated too, which is, um, you know, I, I, I think that's a, that's a frustrating point for fans to see, I think too, because, you would want them to have their heads in it, you know, for the whole 90 minutes. But I also kind of I understand where they're coming from, too, or, you know, at some point you feel like the deck's been kind of stacked against you a little bit and it affects how you are mentally. It affects the way you do things and matches as well as well. Yeah, uh, you make good points. Uh, the, it, the And I really agree with the uh, uh, the listen talking about. Kansas City St. Louis is, is a rivalry, a series. It was the first game played between these two teams um, as uh, M- M- MLS opponents, and mm-hmm. the, the league absolutely would love to see n- nothing more than um, th- yeah. than a, a rivalry, a, a game to look forward to, a game to always be able to showcase every week. The way we have this exists in in MLS and other places, right? And certainly in yeah. LA with their two teams in New York mm-hmm. and uh, in others. Kansas City and Minnesota have tried to, you know, try to kind of stage a rivalry here. I don't know how much of it feels like a rivalry. I don't know how many t- additional tickets it sells, right? Right. That that to me is the uh, how many how many ratings points it's worth. Those are signs of, of a rivalry. 
and the city yeah. of St. Louis certainly would be uh, just based on geography and both teams, you know, in metro areas and uh, opposite sides of the state of Missouri could um, c- could work. Um, it, it never has worked uh, historically mm-hmm. in any other sport. Well, mainly because they're not in the same league in baseball and yep. um, it's, they play each other every year. But 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 it's not it's just different in baseball and, yeah. and and they don't share basketball or hockey. So this would be the one sport where it could take off as a rivalry. Mm-hmm. How many times will they play three times total this year? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, they'll play each other twice in September at the beginning of the month and at the end of the month. So I think September 2nd is the next match between the two and they'll be here in KC for that. But yeah, so if you want it as a rivalry, you don't give sporting the schedule that it did with the yeah. uh, with the midweek game and, and St. Louis with the uh, with the off, maybe it's done with the idea that sporting is the established, uh, the, give them the disadvantage as the established team and give St. Louis a break as the, the you know, the, the, um, uh, the, 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 the first year franchise. But, uh, yeah. but, but it, if, if that was the case, it worked, it worked great to, yep. uh, to St. <laughs> Louis's advantage. Yeah. Um, but all right. So a bad loss for sporting, but they had been playing well. Uh, they, they did yeah. go to LA on Wednesday and got a tie on mm-hmm. Johnny Russell's goal. One, one yeah. all tie Johnny Russell's 50th goal was sporting mm-hmm. Kansas city. Uh, only two players in franchise history have more. And they, they had two victories before that went to Seattle and they picked up a great mm-hmm. win. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then handled Minnesota at home. So sporting had been playing well, they were. I guess, you can make a case it was a tired team that went to St. Louis and played mm-hmm. that late game on on Saturday night. Um, should we be discouraged by Saturday to the point where we don't think that the, the turnaround is continuing or will continue for for Sporting? That's a good question, and I don't know if that can be answered until Sunday. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I think there were still some things in that game that yeah. like that were positive in build up that were things that, I, that we weren't seeing, you know, in those first 10 games um, and still some things in the final third that have stuck through uh, the, this, this winning streak, which is simply guys willing to make runs into the box and get deeper into the box and weren't afraid to put themselves in goal scoring situations. And it worked. Um, I think the biggest trend out of their, their results ahead of time was uh, ahead of this one against St. Louis was just the fact that, um, they looked dynamic when they had the ball, they were unlocking, you know, space behind the defense or space within the defense and creating confusion again. And I think that was, that's always been a hallmark of the way that, that, that attacking free plays is that they're very fluid in their movement and it's really difficult to track them. Um, when you're tired, you don't move as much, uh, off the ball. Uh, but when you're, you know, if you look at those games over the stretch, I mean, in LA, I mean, Dennis Buanga, who's the by at this point he's probably going to win the golden boot for most goals in this league i don't see how anyone else will keep up with them um he's an incredible player for lafc and after the match against sporting he and their press conference said that's one of the best soccer playing teams i've played in this league period like bar none and you know i think kansas city is like sitting there like you know how where we're at on the table right you know how (laughs) bad our first 10 games were um but you know i the there were signs there and i think part of it is mentality too where that it was turned around um we even when you're playing well you still lose games and sometimes you still get uh smacked uh in the same thing in in the in in that same run 
So I'm curious to see how they go on from here because it was a really nice feel-good stretch. And we'll talk about the other team in town. They had a nice, really good feel-good stretch for three games or so and then haven't won in four. Um, so they're, they've got to find a way to bounce back from the loss. And I think it, it is good that they have a home game coming up for themselves, and that'll be a, a good opportunity against a Portland team that's really good at home, not as great on the road, and uh, will – kind of maybe be looking for a little bit of vengeance from earlier on in the season. You're right. We will talk about uh, the Kansas City Current in a moment uh, after a break, but I, I want to get a, uh, get your thought on uh, a couple couple other things. Daniel, what is the status of goalkeeper Tim Mealy? Tim's going to be out for a while. Um, I think that's uh, a little bit of a surprise. Um, I know something may have been said on the broadcast about like three or four, you know, months something long term like that that's about what it sounds like we'll get a more definitive answer from peter vermes later in the week um as to how long it is and what the injury was like i said it's a bit of a surprise just because of when we were told about it against minnesota you know he came out and he said he feels all right but he didn't feel 100 percent and felt like he should have come out in that moment um and you know it was a hip flexor thing it seemed like maybe a couple of weeks um but obviously they wanted to do some further scans on it later last week and they um, have come back not so great. So we'll learn a little bit more about exactly how long Tim Mealy will be out for, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens now with the goalkeeper position because we've seen John Paul Scamp a lot over the last couple of years when Melia has been out. Um, he's kind of the heir apparent as, their, as, the, as the goalkeeper of the future for sporting, but they also really believe in Kendall McIntosh as well, as you've seen over the last two games. And I think, you know, he's had a few goals he might like to have back, but he's also come up with some really good saves as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they address the goalkeeper situation moving forward um, between Pulse Camp and McIntosh, but it looks like we won't be seeing Tim Millia until later in the season. Okay, and let's let's take a break here. Uh, and when we come back, we will talk Kansas City Current with Daniel Sperry. We are back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast, and we're talking soccer with beat writer Daniel Sperry. And uh, Daniel... Uh, I don't. My expectations for the current were higher. I thought that the season had started to turn for them after the sluggish start, and now we find uh, the team mired in a in a four game slump. And mm-hmm. you know, in MLS or <laughs> MLS, listen to me, NWSL play last week, they didn't score a goal, shut out twice, and they're coming off a two nil loss to uh, Louisville. Uh, having lost to the same team in the Challenge Cup earlier in the week. So a little bit of a rough patch here for the current. What What is going on? What um, not, not a goal this week. I thought they're earlier at times this year, I, I thought the defense wasn't wasn't uh, mm-hmm. playing well. Uh, um, where Where does this team stand right now? Yeah, and I think that that's the hard part is expectations were so high for this team. Um, but – I think injuries have kind of derailed their start at the beginning. And right now they're going through a stretch of, um, for some reason, these last four games, all these losses look pretty similar. Um, there is a 15-minute stretch where their heads are gone um, after they give up a goal. Um, they get chances. They concede directly after not scoring those chances. Um, and they just kind of, lose it for a five, 10 minute stretch. And if they can come out of that one slightly unscathed, maybe they'll, you know, that maybe the things turn around better for them and they, they get a goal, but you know, for an offense that was scoring at this point, um, 
it was, uh, you know, they're scoring two goals a game at least for like four, five, six games straight, even in losses. Um, but to come up empty in NWSL games when you have the firepower that you have on the field in Dabinia and CC Kaiser and in uh in you know Lola Bonta as well, um, Michelle Cooper, there's a lot of goals that are out there to be had, and they've had a lot of chances too. Um, but they're not putting them away for some reason. And uh, that's kind of leading to these situations where they have, you know, you don't put it away instead of instead of the ball coming back to the center circle and restarting the match. Um, you know, it's going the other way and they're getting scored on. And it's some of its mistakes, um, you know, last night or last week against Saturday against Louisville. Um, you know, the first goal came on a back a very poor back pass from a, a young center back um, to Cassie Miller. Cassie Miller was not expecting to get it that slow. Um, so she had to come way out of her box before she expected to and cleared it off of the Louisville player. And it goes directly into the goal. Um, AD French kicked the ball directly to Louisville off a offside call um, for their first goal in the Challenge Cup. I mean, their CC Kaiser lost the ball in the 18 yard box and it took one pass to put it away into the empty net against San Diego. These are like mistakes that are happening in the in the final third that they're getting absolutely punished for. Um, and they're not punishing teams for their mistakes. And so when that happens, um, you, you go on a stretch like they have. And, you know, it's one of those things where this was this was a something you saw in the Chicago match. And we asked questions or not Chicago, the uh, uh, the L.A., the Angel City match, excuse me, um, with how that one went. Um, they gave up three goals in a 15 minute span. We asked questions about it and those, you know, answers came back and, you know, we need to be more focused in those moments. We need to learn how to manage, you know, momentum and stuff like that. Um, but it's been a, the same exact trend for the next uh, three games and it hasn't changed yet. So um, I think that's the concerning part is that they're, it, it, they all look the same and nothing has really changed in that aspect. Um, and so I think, you know, rightfully so, the alarm bells are going up with the current. Can some of this be attributed to a coaching transition? This is a team that um, that has switched out its head coach. It is now coached by, uh, I hope I'm getting her name right, Caroline Werbloom. Uh, yeah. You know, and, you know, and this is, there were some nice results early in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the switch. And now, like I said, lugging a four-game losing streak and three in 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 league play and one in the Challenge Cup, both to Louisville, um, mm -hmm. uh, was the Challenge Cup loss. So uh, they're they're playing with a, with a new coach, and I'm just I'm I'm looking for some reasons why this this could be happening. Uh, yeah. Different messaging uh, has has the formation has changed, or mm -hmm. uh, what what structurally might be different about the way the current is playing. Yeah, I mean, part part of it, too, is they've got a lot of young defenders on the back line. You know, Elizabeth Ball is out injured. Alexis Loera is not um, back yet. She won't be back until the summer. Um, that's, that, that can be attributed to some of the, you know, mistakes and the things that have happened there. There have been some young mistakes. When you play young players, you have to deal with young mistakes, and um, that's kind of what happens in those situations. But the formation change is one that was interesting because, you know, Potter – tried that at the beginning of the season and tried a, a a back four and it didn't work and they didn't look very they didn't look like themselves um they kind of came out of it uh flipped to a back five and they got a result or back three um back three or five depending on when they have the ball when they don't um but you know they they played that back three 
um, and got that result in those next three games that they picked off those results out of. Um, LA, again, in Angel City, they started out with that back three. It didn't work very well. They switched to, you know, a four, you know, four, three, three, four, two, three, one um, formation. And they, you know, came back in the match and that was nice, but they've been using that formation ever since. And they've scored, you know, two goals in 270 minutes with it um, and have been very susceptible defensively. And so I, you know, I don't know that the current defensive personnel can continue to withstand that back four, um, but that's very clearly what Caroline you know, her bloom prefers and what she stated to us that she prefers. Um, my point of emphasis on that is that, you know, even Haley Mace has said, you know, a back four kind of limits her in what she does best. Um, and she really excels being a wing back. Um, and I know part of it is too, as a player, you, you got to learn how to play either of those spots. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, you're not using the formation if the formation is um not putting the players in spots that are their best abilities the best opportunities i think that's a question mark um and this team objectively throughout the last two seasons has looked better um when playing with a back three uh, or a back five and using kate del fava and Haley mace's wing backs uh than it has um in the back four so i'm curious if they decide to go back um if they decide to give up on on the push on here, but, um, you know, defensively the roster is thin. And I think that has, uh, especially at, at center back, you know, the, almost all the defenders that they brought in outside of the draft picks, um, this year were all wingbacks and fullbacks. Well, they already had two very good wingbacks and fullbacks. So that's a roster makeup question that I, that I think should be out there as well, because, um, not having Elizabeth ball is a big deal, but to not, to to have to look the way they do without having Elizabeth Ball and Alexis Loretta on the back line um, is also not good as well. Okay, I guess we should emphasize it's still early. Yeah. you know it's still early in the season for both uh, the Kansas City Current and Sporting KC, and uh, they, they both have had stretches of terrific play this year and. Uh, I kind of pin hopes on, uh, on on that, that we'll see more of that from both teams later in the season. One thing I've really enjoyed seeing are the big crowds uh, for yeah. the Kansas City Current. They've twice uh, topped their, their their attendance record, of course, playing in uh, mm -hmm. at Children's Mercy Park. They'll move into their new stadium next year. But to have 12,000-plus, I think, for the yeah. Mother's Day game that they mm -hmm. had, that's fantastic to see. Yeah. Um, I don't know where that ranks among uh, league teams, uh, but it's certainly a, a, a mark for the, the, the you know, for, for the for their uh, for yeah. their franchise. Yeah. I mean, really, the only other team that's been drawing more than them lately has been, you know, Portland and Angel City. Those two get about 18,000 a game. Um, San Diego can hold more as well as uh, Washington, D.C. at Audi Field where they play um, the, the spirit. But. Um, outside of that, the current are around, you know, within the top three in, in attendance, and they've been over the 10K mark every single game, uh, which is really impressive. Um, you know, last year was kind of building in in the, the Challenge Cup. It was around five or six and started to push up to seven and eight. By the end of the year, you know, they were pushing, you know, eight and nine thousand every single game. But, you know, you noted that Mother's Day game. There were more people at Children's Mercy Park on their Mother's Day game than their new stadium will hold. 
Um, yeah. That's a that that's a good point uh, to have there for them as they'll move into their new spot downtown. I know you know more people will really be interested in going just because of the new hype around the around the new building and the new stadium. That um, by all all renderings and everything we've seen looks like it's going to be a, an absolute hit down there um, a, in the north side of the city. So um, you know it, it's good to see the the attendance continue to rise. Um, you know they we've got a lot of players too that are bringing folks in there in the Orlando match there was a whole section of players of fans just wearing Brazil jerseys because it was Dabinha versus Marta um and so you know just Brazilian folks and they were cheering every touch from any Brazilian on the field um so it, it's cool to see things like that come out of that um out of that attendance boost that they've had but overall atmosphere has been great at Children's Mercy Park for their games so time to start winning on the field too Yep, yep, and I can remember putting a couple when they were putting a couple thousand in. Um, it was a Shawnee Mission North's uh, yeah. stadium, the old uh, KCFC team, uh, mm-hmm. which was a great team. They won championships, uh, yeah. but not embraced like the Kansas City Current is being embraced. It's great to nope. see. All right, Daniel, great conversation as always. We'll do it again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer Randy Mason for putting together the episode, and to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of. Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Daniel Sperry for sharing his soccer insights. Today's morning sports edition was packed with soccer coverage, news of the NBA and NHL playoffs, the PGA won by Brooks Kepka, baseball, auto racing, that all-star race in North Wilkesboro, which, by the way, is where I saw my first NASCAR race. So much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.